Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. It's the Wednesday edition of Jacksonville's Morning News for March 16th of 2016. I'm Rich Jones. We're headed to a high in the upper 80s again, not far from the record. Record of 89, so way back in 1945. But hey, cooler air is returning. So too will be some much-needed rain in your extended five-day WOKV first alert forecast. We're going to do things a little differently now. Now, the latest on the road to the White House. On Jacksonville's election headquarters, News 104.5 WOKV. So much was at stake in yesterday's round of primaries, not just Florida's 99 delegates, that uh, which Donald Trump won, but in Ohio, where John Kasich scored a victory and gained 66 delegates. And the delegate math, which is an interesting inside story as well. So we wanted to go inside the uh, numbers and inside the race for the White House with our Washington insider, Jamie Dupree, here in Jacksonville. Over the next hour, we're going to be answering many of the questions that are out there. I guess some of the big questions are already answered, Marco Rubio being out of the race, but delegate math becomes an interesting question and storyline going forward, James. Yeah, well, I mean, the basic storyline I think right now, Rich, is that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton both took a giant step forward for their party's nominations. Uh, Hillary Clinton could win all five. It's uh, the We're still not finished in Missouri. It's too close to call, but she has a 1,600-vote lead over Bernie Sanders right now. Uh, for the Republicans, Donald Trump has a 1,600-vote lead, ironically, about the same figure over Ted Cruz in Missouri. And if that holds, he'll won uh, four out of five states yesterday, losing only in Ohio. Now, when he lost Ohio at the time, we thought, wow, this is, you know, it could be not the greatest of nights for him. But he ran up a number of delegates in North Carolina and is especially in Illinois and in Missouri as well. And so, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, my my rough estimate right now is that Cruz only won about 46 delegates yesterday, while Trump wins maybe as many as 210 or even more than that. I mean, so this is a big expansion of the lead for Donald Trump overall over Ted Cruz. I mean, John Kasich did better than Ted Cruz yesterday uh, by about 30 or 40 delegates. And there's Cruz on the morning show saying that Kasich should get out of the race. Well, Kasich's going to point back at him and say, are you kidding? I did better than you yesterday. And I I just, I, I know there's been all the talk, well, we might have a convention fight. Yeah, we could still do that. That could still happen. But I just think that Trump is on his way to winning this nomination now. July would be uh, the convention, so there's a long way to go before we get there. We even have primaries next week, so more answers are going to be coming in the weeks yeah, ahead. Yeah, and next next Tuesday is Arizona, which is winner-take-all. One would think that that would be a Donald Trump type of state. And then Utah is proportional, so they'll s- split those and divvy those up. So I think more than anything, as you look at the calendar, there's no overwhelming state that you say, aha, that's a John Kasich state. I mean, Maryland. Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, those don't sound like Ted Cruz states to me. Uh, Kasich would probably do better, but Trump has shown he can win and win everywhere. I mean, last night in Illinois, he won in Cook County, the city of Chicago. He won all the neighboring counties around Chicago. He won downstate. He won along the Mississippi River. So he has shown surprising strength in many places. You know, frankly, we've we've heard a lot of people uh, kicking and screaming about the establishment trying to stop him. Well, you know what? There's a big meeting that's going to take place tomorrow in D.C. of conservatives, religious conservatives, movement conservatives, who don't don't want Trump. So they can have the, all their meetings they want, but right now the delegate math simply looks like Donald Trump is on his way to winning this nomination. May take a little while, but that's where it's headed. You know, it's interesting in the days leading into Florida, we were talking here on Jacksonville's Morning News and elsewhere as well about 
Were the poll numbers in Florida really going to be right? Will they prove true? Was the support for Trump really there? You just weren't really sure, and there's so many, there's so much newness around the Donald Trump. 47% in Duval County. He doubled up Rubio there, 47 to 27, I should say, a 20-point cushion. St. John's County, Trump 48 to 27. Clay County, Trump 51-22. I mean, he annihilated Marco Rubio in the state of Florida and in Northeast Florida yeah, as well. And these are counties that went for Mitt Romney four years ago. You uh, Four years ago, you could drive all the way from Jacks down to do uh, down to Miami-Dade County and it was everyone was won by Romney. Yesterday every one of those counties was won and easily by Trump. So he not only did well in places that Romney had done, he did he did much better than Romney did 4 years ago. Ted Cruz won if you just go to the west, maybe get out toward Baldwin on I-10 and from there it was really Cruz until Rubio actually finished second in the four furthest west counties of the panhandle ironically, sort of from Panama city to Pensacola. But it didn't matter. Trump had the margins. I mean, Rubio won one county in Miami-Dade, and he won it by a ton. His people did their job. They won it by 40 percent, except the problem is you can't win Florida just by winning in Dade County. Are there just a lot of Trump closet supporters, and will I do they believe now become yes. full-throated now that he is moving closer to the nomination? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, uh, it's, uh, again, looking forward, I think if we apply what we've just seen in these five states— yeah, there could be setbacks for Trump, but I think he'd have to be the favorite to win the nomination and and lock it up maybe just before the convention or something like that. But, you know, my experience is, I think back four years ago, it's a perfect example. Rick Santorum said he's going to carry on in April against Romney. And, his, and then before Pennsylvania's home state even voted, he got out because it became apparent that it just was Romney was the presumptive nominee, and that's where we were going. And I sort of wonder if that's where we're headed, both for Donald Trump and for Hillary Clinton. So if you have these conservatives who are getting together tomorrow, supposedly, and talking about ways to uh, get Trump out of the race, when does the establishment get together and start talking about, you know what, he's our nominee. Face it. This is the way we're moving forward, well, and we're going to have to do this. two things that the establishment might do. Either you just sort of try to keep quiet, and then you put your hands over your eyes for a while, or you do move with that. I Actually... I would expect more people who are conservatives to abandon Trump than the establishment in D.C. And rally around a Cruz? Uh, yeah, the the conservatives to rally around Cruz and, and abandon Trump than, say, a Mitch McConnell and, and Speaker Ryan. Um, I think that what they will do is they will speak out, as McConnell did yesterday and as Ryan has, and try to sort of contain Trump a little more and sand his edges down more than anything else. But I do think you'll see a lot more people in that conservative Tea Party area area who will be very vocal in talking about maybe a third party or somebody else or just sitting out this year's election. That's, you know, and again, that's what I've been trying to say for weeks. This is not just the establishment that's reluctant on Trump. There are a lot of conservatives and Tea Party people that don't like him at all either. Now the challenge for him is, can he bring them back? Storylines are going to be altered a little bit in the coming hours as the president is expected to make a Supreme Court nominee. That'll happen at about 11 o'clock this morning. It'll make a lot of news over the next several days. And we wouldn't see the Senate dig in until probably after Easter on that there after the yeah break. well there's I mean the Republicans have said they don't even want to hold a hearing so <laughs> usually after a nominee a nomination is made it takes a while before you have any hearings I really do think that uh, that there will be a lot of heat put on the Senate by Democrats and even by some Republicans just to hold a hearing and to go forward from there Washington insider Jamie Dupree back in just a couple more minutes and we'll dig a little bit deeper into the Northeast Florida numbers as well now Donald Trump last evening again after another big night painting himself as a unifier of the political system. We have a great opportunity and the people that are voting 
Our Democrats are coming in, independents are coming in, and very, very importantly, people that never voted before. It's an incredible thing. And here he draws a parallel between being rich and being great. Anybody we do business with beats us. We don't win a trade. We're going to win a trade. We're going to make our country rich again. We're going to make our country great again. And we need the rich in order to make the great, I'm sorry to tell you. Donald Trump, the winner in Florida, North Carolina, Illinois, maybe Missouri as well. It's still too close to call. Hillary Clinton, the big winner in Florida and also Ohio and North Carolina. She wins four out of the five states from yesterday and seems to be headed directly to the Democratic nomination. We're going to continue to cover a lot more ground on the Florida vote and the rest of the country, Ohio especially, the path forward for John Kasich just ahead. Not a special hour of Jacksonville's morning news on the road to the White House as we continue to go over the results from last night in Florida, Ohio, Illinois, North Carolina, Missouri, and the ripple effects going forward, too. Trump, 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 Trump. Go, Donald. Donald Trump with huge support across Northeast Florida, winning Clay, Duval, St. John's by wide margins over Marco Rubio, winning every county in the state of Florida except for Rubio's home county of Miami-Dade. Rubio out of the race last night. If you missed it, I don't know how you did. It was one of the big early stories last evening. We were here live with our Washington insider, Jamie Dupree, and Rick Mullaney, the director of the Public Policy Institute at Jacksonville University, who's back with us for a little bit more analysis the morning after. And and I don't know if it's a game changer necessarily, Rick, but political. Uh, Political news changer is going to be that the president um, is going to put his nominee out there for the Supreme Court at about 11 o'clock. That will have ripple effects on the campaign trail, I'd imagine. There's no doubt about it. I don't think it's coincidental that you're seeing him make the appointment now. It does insert it into the presidential race. And of course, with Hillary Clinton on the one side and a Republican nominee on the other, most likely Donald Trump, you have to suspect that those appointees would look very, very different. I think the president is going to be tempted and his finalists suggest this, to get someone a little bit more moderate, a little more centrist than his last two appointments. He's had two to the U.S. Supreme Court so far with Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor. He's going to try to tempt the Republicans. They have vowed not to even to conduct hearings, but they're going to have to weigh his appointment versus the risk of, really, in their view, a Clinton presidency and what that appointment might look like and you'd expect that appointment to be even further to the left. Rick, as part of our coverage last night, you said it right out of the gate at 7 o'clock that the night would come down to Ohio. It did. I beat Trump by 11 points. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? He lived in Ohio. He came in here. He trashed me. That was John Kasich this morning. He was on NBC's Today Show talking about his path to victory. Does he have the money and the momentum to be able to propel himself out of Ohio? You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if the big story in John Kasich winning is now he's necessarily a viable candidate to get the nomination. There's a long road for Governor Kasich to get the nomination. The bigger significance of his win in Ohio is the fact that it increases the chances of a contested convention. And by that, I mean, if Donald Trump had won Ohio and its 66 delegates, it would have been pretty hard, if not impossible, to have stopped him from getting to the 1,237 needed for the nomination. The Kasich win, however, makes it more likely you're going to have a contested convention. What Mr. Kasich will do is try to win some delegates, which he needs to do, win some states, which he needs to do, and then make the case at a contested convention that he's the pick, because it is mathematically impossible for Governor Kasich to get to 1,237. It actually is very long odds, even though it's mathematically possible for Ted Cruz. The only person who, in the Republican side who can get to that number is Donald Trump, 
And because of his loss in Ohio, it's much more difficult for Donald Trump to get to 1,237. Ted Cruz with about 46, give or take, delegates. That's tentative math that our Washington insider Jamie Dupree is putting out. That's almost 40 uh, delegates behind John Kasich from last night. Kasich finishing a distant a second to Donald Trump. The path to victory for Cruz going forward, I mean, the next states likely don't favor him all that much. It would seem like Arizona next week probably goes to Trump, but maybe Cruz surprises us there. What do you think? I think the map ahead is difficult for Ted Cruz. Also, if you look at the big numbers, he's got ballpark. I'm using some round numbers, about 400 delegates. You need to get to 1237. He needs, obviously, more than 800 delegates. There's only about 1,000 delegates left. So he needs to win ballpark over 80% of the remaining delegates. And he has to do it in some states that are proportional, where John Kasich is expected to do pretty well, such as New York, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and some of those states. So the pathway to 1237 for Ted Cruz is very, very difficult. And so far, at least, his greatest strength, of course, has been in the South with evangelical voters. As he moves out west and as you move to the northeast, the map is less favorable. So John Kasich's win yesterday also means he stays in the race, also means that it's tougher for anybody to get to 1237. The big winners last night, of course, were Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But in my view, the big story was Ohio. Rick Mullaney, the director of the Public Policy Institute at Jacksonville University. Thanks for uh, staying so late last night and being here with us this morning as we dissect the numbers and the path forward on Jacksonville's Morning News. Okay, Trump, it's time to lock up the nomination. Extend your hand, make the deal, get Cruz as your VP, and let's get this deal done. Interesting theories coming in in the open mic feature in the WOKV app. So much attention was on Florida and Ohio and what happened yesterday. The path forward. When our next debate is when our next round of primaries are and the storylines that come out of tonight and uh, last night and this morning next with our Washington insider, Jamie Dupree. It's the Wednesday edition of Jacksonville's Morning News as we're covering an entire hour's worth of ground in the road to the White House. Good morning, America. Just want to say thank you for voting. God bless America. Thank you for voting. Turnout was strong in Florida. Turnout was strong in Northeast Florida. And the turnout story in Northeast Florida, and really for the state of Florida, too, is for Donald Trump. Clay County, Trump 51 to Rubio's 22. Duval County, Trump 47 to Rubio's 27. St. John's County, Trump 48 to Rubio's 27. Washington insider Jamie Dupree is here again live this morning. You were here last night as we were going through the numbers. What was it, one county that Marco Rubio won? Just my Miami Dade. That's it. But he did. Listen, they, they can. He turned it, it out. They, they turned it out. They won by 40 points down there. But I've covered elections in this state since 84. You can't win this state by just winning Dade County. It doesn't work that way. Now, if you go back, uh, if you look at Barack Obama, I think in 2008 and 2012, he basically won Palm Beach, Broward and Dade by huge margins. And that pretty much offset the rest of the state. He had very few, uh, very few counties that he won in the state. But for a Republican, you got to win something else other than Dade. And Rubio just didn't do that. The closest he came was Leon County, ironically, in Tallahassee. Mm. But otherwise, think of this. Trump turned Romney counties all up and down the East Coast on I-95, from Duval all the way down to Broward County. All of those went for Romney four years ago, and they went for a Trump by larger percentages this time. And it's really striking to see. Again, Trump has been able to draw across the spectrum of the party. There's only one other candidate who's been do that, doing the same thing, and that's Rubio. Cruz is tilted to the right. Kasich is t- t- uh, tilted to the left. But Trump is able to get the people who are very conservative, somewhat conservative, and more moderate. And he certainly did that last night in one big in Florida. Now, overall, 
when Trump lost in Ohio, we all sort of thought, well, this shows it's going to be difficult. But Trump came back and, and, and won in North Carolina. He won in Illinois and ran up the delegates there against Cruz. It looks like he'll win in Missouri. And and my numbers right now show that he's going, he, Trump, will expand his lead over Cruz by about 160 delegates. So this was a really big night for Donald Trump, just like it was a big night for Hillary Clinton. And I, I really believe that both of them are on their way to their party nominations. Yeah, and as uh, the Clinton campaign starts to think about a Trump and Clinton <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know what that's well, going to sound like. You know, if like. you're a Democrat, in all seriousness, you think, oh, this will be easy. He's crazy. You know, we'll be able to, you know, look, tell me where the Republicans, whether they're establishment or conservative, where have they figured out the, the, uh, the soft spot for Donald Trump, his weakness? Have they? They haven't. They have not figured out how to beat him. So if they can't figure it out, why should the Democrats? That's their big, uh, their big assignment in the months ahead. Should we expect to start hearing and seeing ads from the Clinton campaign and super PACs against Trump, or is it too soon on that? Maybe a little too soon, but you know, with the amount of money that you can raise for super PACs, why not start going? I guess there's two arguments. If you start too early, you inoculate him. But but none of those ads seem to hurt him. I think that the ad that maybe was the most powerful was those one of the women reading some of the, what a Trump had said. And I would think you'd see a lot more of that because I do think if there's one place that Hillary Clinton could undermine Trump, it's with women, especially on the East Coast and in, in the Rust Belt and in New England. I think there's definitely a possibility there for her. Interesting you say that. I was talking to three women yesterday, and all three of them said, did you hear that commercial? Yeah. So it, it stuck oh. with them. No, I I listen. I, I I saw that. And I I jumped up. To me, that was the the most damning commercial yet against Trump, and the one that could hurt him the most. And it wasn't really a negative ad. It was like reading mean tweets, that kind of thing. And I think for a lot of people, I, I've heard from I know people, women up in the D.C. area, who obviously are not the same conservative Republicans that you would have here. But Trump for them is just no way. They will not vote for him. Uh, and they would rather vote for Hillary Clinton, and I do think that could be an issue for Trump long term. The road ahead, what's next? Next debate, next primaries, next caucuses, all ahead in the next half hour of this special hour on Jacksonville's Morning News with Washington Insider Jamie Dupree. We're trying to cover as much ground as we can and go beyond just what the results tell us, but really the storylines that come out of Florida's primary, Ohio, and elsewhere... On you decide 2016. On the road to the White House, we heard Hillary Clinton after her resounding victory over Bernie Sanders in Florida, th- uh, four out of the five states yesterday. You voted for our tomorrow to be better than our yesterday. Tomorrow, where all of us do our part and everyone has a chance to live up to his or her God-given potential. They were celebrating in Duval County. The Democratic Party Chairman Neil Hendrickson was bouncing between the Clinton watch party and the Bernie Sanders watch party. Is the path forward pretty clear now for Hillary Clinton to secure the nomination? I think the strong result, Rich, from yesterday is going to you know keep the momentum for Hillary Clinton. Uh, but I think Bernie Sanders is going to stay in the race, and I think that's a good thing. And I think it's a good thing for his activists and his supporters uh, as we move towards, you know, finalizing the presidential nominee for the Democratic Party. In what ways does Bernie Sanders toughen up Hillary Clinton as a nominee going forward into November? Well, clearly his message, uh, you know, has resonated with a large segment. We saw the win in Michigan he had, uh, but uh, it's helped her, I think, define her message. She's always been about helping the middle class, helping build back and build up uh, opportunities for the middle class. And I think she's really honed her message in a better way as a result of Bernie Sanders' almost single focus on the economic opportunity issue. 
Has she run a little bit more left of her comfort level, and will she have to eventually, or will she want to run to kind of moderate a little bit more to the center where maybe she's more comfortable? Well, it's almost not even a left-right issue. We're hearing Donald Trump talking about, uh, in some ways, economic opportunity. His position on trade is similar to Bernie Sanders' position on trade. So I think Hillary Clinton's always been about economic opportunity and building and breaking down barriers, building up opportunity for the middle class. And I think she's going to continue on that track. You know, I, I was speaking with a couple of uh, registered Democrats who voted yesterday, and they cast a ballot for Hillary Clinton, and they told me, man, it, I can't wait to take on Donald Trump. Won't that be fun? You can't underestimate this candidate because of how unconventional it is, but what kind of conversations are happening among party leaders on the Democrat side about a potential Hillary Clinton-Donald Trump matchup? Well, I think you have in Donald Trump uh, a candidate that is, has excited, you know, sort of the base elements of the Republican Party. And I think that's unfortunate, but I think that's a good thing for the Democratic Party. It's going to be a good thing as we get into this general election if Donald Trump is their nominee in that I think uh, moderate independents, moderate Republicans are going to have a hard time voting for Donald Trump. Are you surprised at all by the turnout for Donald Trump in Northeast Florida, winning uh, by a wide margin over Marco Rubio and seeing the kind of voter turnout, not just for Republicans, but also for Democrats in our area? Does that give you confidence going into the fall? Well, I, I think it's interesting. We had uh, our, our mayor, Mayor Curry, supporting Rubio, and it was a resounding defeat for uh, Rubio up here in, in uh, Jacksonville and all through North Florida. So I think those party leaders, I think, showed some weakness with having uh, supported Rubio and his poor performance here. So coming into the general election, I think it's true. Donald Trump is unpredictable what he'll turn out, but I think he's going to cap out at a certain level, and I think that's going to be a good thing for the Democratic nominee. Neil Hendrickson with the Duval County Democratic Party. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes out and joining us on this special hour-long Road to the White House. And we invite you to be part of the conversation as well by sending open mics in the WOKV app. Thank you, Senator Rubio, for wasting my vote. You should have dropped out before. Yeah, Rubio, there was a lot of pressure on him to drop out before the Florida primary. He chose to continue forward, but then yesterday evening said that was it for his campaign. We brought you the live coverage here on WOKV as he is now formally out of the race. Well, this may not not have been the year for a hopeful and optimistic message about our future. I still remain hopeful and optimistic about America. Nope. As, uh, as we move forward now out of Florida and into the next states, our Washington insider Jamie Dupree is standing by and he'll uh, let us know what's up next, how many delegates will be at stake, and the message that Ted Cruz is going to have to really push now after a lackluster performance last night. After the dust has settled from Florida, Ohio, and uh, three other states as well. the Trump trade. And y'all are getting creative with your open mics that you're sending to us supporting Donald Trump. Big support in Northeast Florida for Trump and winning the state of Florida. And by Jamie Dupree's uh, quick uh, tentative delegate math, 209 uh, delegates for Trump. Uh, Kasich at 82. So performing well, getting the 66 in Ohio, obviously. And Ted Cruz at 46. I guess I wonder now over the next uh, couple of days, Jamie headed into the next round of primaries and another debate on Monday. What's Cruz's path for? What's his message going for? Well, first, no debate. Monday is the way it looks, uh, or at least one that Donald Trump is not going to participate in. He said on Fox News a little while ago he's not going to that on Monday in Utah. 
you know, maybe you have just a Kasich and Cruz debate. I don't know about that. We'll have to wait and see. What's next for everybody? I mean, I, I really do believe that Trump is starting to trend into that territory of being the presumptive Republican Party nominee. Yes, there are some in the establishment who don't want him. Yes, there are some conservative movement people that don't want him. Yes, there are some Tea Party people that don't want him. But they have not been able to make inroads. I mean, yesterday he won by a huge margin here in Florida. It wasn't even close. Uh, he lost in Ohio, yes, but that's a sort of a special case with a home state governor. You look forward on, on the map, I don't see logical places where I say, oh yeah, Trump's going to have a hard time there or somebody can beat him there. Given where we are, though, he still needs to win over a majority of the remaining delegates in order to get himself to a majority overall. But I also think you start getting into that momentum of, well, he's the presumptive nominee. Four years ago right now, Rick Santorum was saying, I'm going to carry this into Pennsylvania into April, into May. And then by about mid-Pennsylvania, mid-April in Pennsylvania, he said, yeah, I'm out of here. This is it. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it just sort of reminds me of that where a lot of people talk and then the momentum just runs out. So for now, Trump and Hillary Clinton both in charge in their races. Is his messaging about a presumptive nominee as well? Does he start to go harder oh. against Hillary? Well, he's he started to talk about let's unify and more. He, he did that last week and he did it again last night. And I think you'll hear more of that. So, you know, at, at this point in time, we just wait to see what's next. You know, I, I think that there will be uh, more Republicans who will speak out and say they won't vote for Trump. But I also think that some of those people will fall back to the party by November. May take a while, maybe some kicking, screaming, and crying along the way, uh, but I think that's where we're headed. Well, you were telling a story yesterday at Pints and Primaries at Bold City about a Republican voter or a so-called Republican voter who, what was the story about the last three or four election cycles, he just couldn't stomach the nominee, and you kind of challenged him on well, that And point. I said, he said, well, he wasn't going to vote for Trump, and I said, well, who'd you vote for in 2008? Did you vote for McCain? No, I didn't vote for McCain. Uh, well, who'd you vote for 2012? Did you vote for Romney? No, I didn't vote for Romney. I said, well, are you a Republican anymore? I mean, that's three straight presidential elections where you're not voting for your party's nominee. And frankly, in the first two, uh, the, uh, the Republicans lost. I'm not saying they're going to lose again this year, but it's not out of the question as a possibility. And the Republican Party is sort of splintering right now at a time when they're in a very good position. They are unable to sort of keep it together. You know, again, think about Donald Trump. Think about the race going forward. He is running as a Republican, a totally different Republican from anything that we've experienced in the last, just say, 35 years since Ronald Reagan came into office. There's nothing about uh, social issues. There's nothing about abortion. There's nothing about, you know, recent issues like gay marriage or anything like that. None of the the key conservative kind of social issues that have been such a part of the party for the last 35, 40 years. None of that is there. Uh, even on taxes. Uh, Trump, again, was talking about last night about repatriation of taxes and finding ways to bring in. And he's even talked about raising taxes on hedge fund managers and more. So he's clearly not a dogmatic Republican on those key those key issues. You know, remember when George Herbert Walker Bush broke his read my lips, no new taxes promise. Uh, the party broke apart and splintered with Newt Gingrich and more. Well, Trump is double daring everybody on all those things, basically. So there, I think there will be some people within the Republican Party that are sort of aggravated as they get up and see Trump moving forward as the nominee. But 
you know, they have to make that decision. Do you want to get on board with him or do you cut bait and look for a third party or just sit on your hands? What are some of the things you, you look and listen for out of Hillary Clinton primarily? Does she start to draw out some of the social issues from Trump and some of the other Republican nominees? Is she starting to run the general election now? She has a complete stranglehold on this race. Yeah, I, I think she does. She's going five for five if she wins uh, in the final vote in Missouri, which it looks like she will. Uh, she has a big delegate lead anyway. I think the biggest concern for the Democrats and for the Clinton high command would be how do you attack Donald Trump? So far, nothing has worked. Nothing. So where do you go? What do you highlight on him? I mean, he's not a typical Republican, so it's not like you can say, well, he's going to he's going to take abortion away from you or he's going to, you know, those kind of issues. It, it just that hasn't been a feature of his campaign. He's going to win. I mean, that's what he says over and over again. So uh, they're going to have to come up with a game plan to go against him or risk suffering sort of the same fate that has befallen the establishment and the movement conservatives in the Tea Party right now, which is none of what they've thrown at Trump has worked. Or it hasn't even slowed him down a bit. Sanders making her a better candidate? I don't know about that. I, I do think it is good for her, probably, if you look back, to have all these debates and all the challenge rather than just sort of going through it on a pro forma matter. Yes. Uh, the problem is that he's, he's he's along the way pointed out maybe that she is struggling in some areas that maybe she shouldn't have to. All right. Uh, we got a Supreme Court nominee coming out at 11 o'clock this morning. We got Jamie Dupree who's going to be part of a special roundtable with Herman Cain and other guests. You'll have coverage of the president's nominee. That's going to be an interesting fight on the campaign trail in the weeks and months to come. We've got a lot more ground to cover throughout the course of today here, starting at 9 o'clock with a brand new, fresh and ready to go Herman Cain for three hours, followed by Rush and Sean Hannity, and then Jacksonville's Evening News at 6. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.